so we're on this final chapter from Kitabu Salah, which was the chapter regarding the Janaza prayer. We had started it last time regarding the Janaza prayer and the topics that are related to it. And we mentioned some of the general opening rulings to it. So we'll carry on from there now. With regards to washing the body of the deceased. وَمِنْ أَحْكَامِ الْجَنَازَةِ وُجُوبْ تَغْسِيلِ الْمَيِّتِ عَلَى مَنْ عَلِمَ بِهِ وَأَمْكَانَهُ تَغْسِيلَهِ So from the rulings is that the deceased individual must be washed. Those whom are aware and are able, then they need to wash that deceased individual. This is from the rulings of Islam. وَقَدْ تَوَاتَرَ تَغْسِيلُ الْمَيِّتِ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ قَوْلًا وَعَمَلًا Washing the deceased, that is a ruling which is mentioned in multiple narrations. It is mentioned in multiple narrations, in statements and in actions regarding the washing of the deceased. The Prophet wasallam, he was washed and he or rather he washed others also. فَتَغْسِيلُ الْمَيِّتِ فَرْضٌ كِفَايَ عَلَى مَنْ عَلِمَ بِحَالِهِ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ So washing the deceased person is another fard kifaya that some Muslims need to do it at least. There needs to be somebody in the community, somebody from the relatives, someone who goes and washes that deceased individual. وَالرَّجُلُ يَغْسِلُهُ الرَّجُلُ A deceased male, then it is the males who should wash him. وَالْأَوْلَى وَالْأَفْضَلُ أَنْ يَخْتَارَ لِتَغْسِيلِ الْمَيِّتِ ثِقَةٍ عَارِفْ بِأَحْكَامِ التَّغْسِيلِ And the person who does the washing, should be somebody who is knowledgeable. They know about the rulings of how to do the washing. They know about the rulings of washing the deceased person. Because this is an Islamic ruling. It is an Islamic act of worship to wash that deceased individual. So the person doing it needs to know how to do that and what are the rulings and the fiqh of washing the deceased individual وَلَا يَتَمَكَّنْ مِنْ تَطْبِيقِهَا إِلَّا عَالِمْ بِهَا عَلَى الْوَجْهِ شَرْعِي And only a person who has the knowledge of those affairs will be able to do that washing in the proper manner Islamically. وَيُقَدَّمْ فِي تَوَلِّ تَغْسِيلِ الْمَيِّتِ وَصِيُّهُ فَإِذَا كَانَ الْمَيِّتِ قَدْ أَوْسَى أَنْ يَغْسِلَهُ شَخْصٌ مُعِيًّا وَهَذَا الْمُعِيَّنَ عَدْلٌ ثِيقَةٌ فَإِنَّهُ يُقَدَّمْ فِي تَوَلِّ تَغْسِيلِهِ وَصِيَّهُ بِذَلِكِ If the person who died had requested in his, his like will or in his counseling, in his writing before dying that he wanted a particular person to wash him, then if that person is a thiqah, he is upright, he knows he's available, then he should come and do the washing. If the person had written down in his writings, in his wasiyah, that he wanted a particular individual to wash him, then if that particular individual is capable and good and available, then he should do the washing. لِأَنَّ أَبَا بَكَرْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ أَوْصَى أَنْ تَغْسِلَهُمْ رَأَتُهُ أَسْمَاءَ بِنْتِ عُمَيْسِ فَالْمَرْأَ يَجُوزَ أَنْ تَغْسِلَ زَوْجَهَا كَمَا أَنَّ الرَّجُلْ يَجُوزُ أَنْ يَغْسِلَ زَوْجَتَهَا 
Normally, like we said, the men should wash the men, and the women wash the women. The exception to that is the husband to the wife. So the husband can wash the body of his wife, and the wife can wash the body of her husband. When Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu died, he had put in that request prior to death his wasiya that his wife should do the washing of his body, Asma bint Umais. And similarly, there's another example where Anas radiallahu anhu had put in a wasiya for Muhammad ibn Sirin to wash him. ثُمَّ يَلِي الْوَصِي فِي تَغْسِيلِ الْمَيِّتِ أَبُوا الْمَيِّتِ If the deceased person has put in a request like that, then that requested person, if he is thiqa and available, he is upright, trustworthy, able and available, then he should do it. If that is not possible, then the father of the deceased, if alive and available and able, then he has the right to wash that deceased. So the father has the most right to wash his own son's body, for example. If the father of the deceased is not able or not available, then the grandfather, if he is alive and able, then he has the right to do that. Then the other next of kins, those who are close in relationship to the deceased, they have more right to wash the body of the deceased. If there is nobody from his relatives, nobody from the next of kin, then somebody who is foreign to him, i.e. not from his relatives, not from his next of kin, then that person can wash him. وَهَذَا التَّرْتِيبِ فِي الْأَوْلَوِيَّةِ إِذَا كَانُوا كُلُّهُمْ يَحْسِنُونَ التَّغْسِيلِ وَطَالَبُوا بِهِ وَإِلَّا فَإِنَّهُ يُقَدَّمَ الْعَالِمْ بِحْكَامِ التَّغْسِيلِ عَلَى مَنْ لَا عِلْمَ لَهِ That order that we mentioned, the first being who? Before the father even. Before the wife even. The wasi. The one who the one who died had designated and wanted to wash him. If the deceased individual had put down a wasiyah that he wants X, Y, and Z to wash him, then that is the first person who has the right. Then alongside that comes the right of the father. Then grandfather, then other relatives and next of kin. Then outside of them, the foreign people to him, those who are not his relatives. That order applies with a condition. That those people must be capable and knowledgeable of how to do it. Imagine he puts down a wasiyah that he wants such and such to wash him, but that person hasn't got a clue what he's doing. Then in that case, you're going to have to bring in somebody else too. Maybe his father doesn't have a clue how to do it. Then you're going to have to bring in another person alongside him. So that applies that order as long as they know what to do and they are able. If they don't, then you're going to have to bring in somebody else of knowledge, somebody else who is able to help in that and perform it. As for the women, like we said, it is that the women should wash the women. And the same applies if a woman puts down a wasiya that she wants a particular woman to wash her, then that woman has the right. Uh, so if she puts down the wasiya that she wants a particular woman and that woman is capable and able, then she has the right to do it. If not, then it is again back to the relatives, the father, the grandfather, the other relatives that have that right to wash, or rather, rather, for the woman, the mother, and then the, the uh, grandmother, then the other women, have the right to wash that woman. So then for the woman, it's that same order, but with females. And for the men, it was that order as we mentioned. 
The only exception being husband to wife and wife to husband. They can wash each other's bodies if one of them dies. No, not even on the wasiyah. That's allowed generally. Husband can wash the wife of his body and the wife can wash the wife of her husband. In the order, he would be within the next of kin. He is within that next of kin, within the relatives. He is within that, the husband of the wife. So he could, if he said that he is going to do it, then he can do it. If there was, obviously, when it comes into those issues, if there was objections and other types of things, and the mother wants to do it, that's another scenario. Then you deal with those issues as they arise. But otherwise... The husband has the right, he can do that, he can wash the wife of his body, and the wife can wash the wife, the body of her husband. If scenarios arise where there are objections, then they can be looked into in those scenarios. So the husband can wash the wife of his body and the woman can wash the, uh, 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 the uh, body of her husband. He had given the wasiyah that his wife should wash his body. He had washed the body of Fatima. وَوَرَدَ مِثْلَ ذَلِكَ عَنْ غَيْرِهِمَا مِنَ الصَّحَابَةِ And there are other examples from the Sahaba where uh, there are examples of husbands washing the bodies of the wives and the wives washing the bodies of the husbands. وَلِكُلٍ مِنَ الرِّجَالِ وَالنِّسَاءِ غُسَلْ مَنْ لَهُ دُونَ سَبْعِ سِنِينَ ذَكَرًا كَانَ أَوْ أُنْفَعًا If a child on the, under the age of seven dies, then men or women can wash the body of a child under the age of seven. Uh, uh, Ibn al-Mandhir said, أَجْمَعَ كُلٌّ مَنْ نَحْفَظُ عَنْهُ أَنَّ الْمَرْأَ تَغْسِلُ الصَّبِيءَ الصَّغِيرِ A small boy under the age of seven, a woman can wash his body. So young children under the age of seven can be washed. By men or women. There's an example of this. Ibrahim, the son of the Prophet ﷺ, he was washed by the women. Ibrahim, the son of the Prophet ﷺ who died, was washed by the women. So that is a proof that young children under the age of seven can be washed by men or women. وَلَيْسَ لِمْرَأَةٍ غُسَلْ إِبْنْ سَبْعِ سِنِينَ فَأَكْثَرٍ وَلَا لِرَجُلٍ غُسَلْ إِبْنَتْ سَبْعِ سِنِينَ فَأَكْثَرٍ if a child is seven or older, then you have to go back to the rule. Boys seven or older, washed by the men. Girls seven or older, washed by the women. But below the age of seven, any. No, this should be the Muslims. The Muslims washing the Muslims. In fact, right now is the next topic. It is not permissible for a Muslim to wash a kafir or to carry the, the body of that kafir to the grave or to shroud the kafir or to pray upon the kafir or to even follow the funeral procession of the kafir. Exceptions that are sometimes mentioned as the only exceptions are the very close family. That if you had a very close family relative, father, son, etc. And he was not a Muslim. You're allowed to attend. But you're not allowed to participate in the non-Muslim rituals and things they do. Non-Muslim rituals, their supplications, their prayers that they do, etc. You're not allowed to participate, but you can go and witness the, the janazah. That is mentioned by some scholars... Uh, some of the examples that some of them mention, they say that Ali ibn Abi Talib was given permission to attend the janazah of his father who was Abu Talib. 
There is a narration about that some scholars mention. So that possibly, your own father, son, something like that, who was a kafir, you can witness their funeral, but you cannot participate in any of the uh, rituals that are not Islamic. فَلَا يَدْفَنُهُ لَكِنْ إِذَا لَمْ يُوجِدْ مَنْ يَدْفَنُهُ مِنَ الْكُفَارِ فَإِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِ يُوَارِيهِ بِأَنْ يُلْقِيَهُ فِي حِفْرَةٍ مَنْعًا لِلْتَضَرُّرِ بِجَثَّتِهِ Imagine now a kafir died and there was no one from the kuffar to go and take care of that and to bury him. What do you do? Then you bury him. Because you're not going to leave a body rotting just like that. You bury that body then. Dig a hole and just bury it and that's it. Nothing done. Just dig a hole and bury it. Because otherwise there would be harm. There would be harm. What's an example of that? Where the Muslims buried the non-Muslims. Which one example exactly? Badr. In the battle of Badr, the deceased kuffar, the Muslims built a huge trench and they buried them. So that is an example where that would occur. Another... Uh, just dig a hole, bury them in, and that's it. Fill it up and gone. No rituals, no dua, nothing. Just dig a hole, put them in, fill it in, and that's it. In that battle of Badr, they dug a huge trench, put them in, and filled it up. Another example of where you would do that, where it may be necessary to do that, because you would probably not find any kuffar who would do it. Somebody? Plague, but uh, a different, uh, maybe, another example though. Murtad. A person who becomes Murtad, he was from the Muslims. Becomes Murtad. So now that person dies as a Murtad, you're not going to do all of these Islamic things we've been talking about, you're going to bury him as a kafir. And it will probably be you then. He was one of you, maybe one of the community before, and he apostated, billah. You are the people he knows, maybe your relatives, his relatives are here. It's going to be you who has to take care of it, but then you do it in this way. Dig something, put him in, finish, that's it. Nothing else. So that is regarding the burial. After that... وَيُشْتَرَطَ أَنْ يَكُونَ الْمَاءَ الَّذِي يُغْسَلْ بِهِ طَهُورًا مُبَاحًا The water that you use to wash the deceased must be pure water that can purify. Like the water that you use for wudu, etc. وَالْأَفْضَلْ أَنْ يَكُونَ بَارِدًا It is better that the water be cold. It is better that you use cold water. When washing the deceased. إِلَّا عِنْدَ الْحَاجَ لِإِزَالَةِ وَصَخْ عَلَى الْمَيِّتْ أَوْ فِي شِدَّةِ بَرْدِ فَلَا بَأْسْبِ تَسْخِينِهِ Unless there was some need to use warm water, like for example, imagine it was in very cold situation. You're in a situation where it's freezing. For you to use cold water, now it's going to harm you, it's going to be difficult for you to use cold water. So you can use warmed water. Or, for example, that deceased individual has something on his body, the way that he died, whatever happened, there is something on his body, it's only going to get washed off properly with warm water. So then you use warm water. But otherwise, if there's no other reasoning, then you should use cold water to do the washing of the deceased. وَيَكُونُ التَّغْسِيلِ فِي مَكَانٍ مُسْتَوْرٍ عَنِ الْأَنظَارِ وَمُسْقُوفِ أو مستور في مكان مستور عن الأنظار ومسقوف من بيت أو خيمة ونحوها إن أمكن. The place where you do the washing should be somewhere that is hidden, concealed, not in open view of everybody. In a concealed room somewhere, a concealed tent, somewhere where nobody can see, somewhere where it's hidden, and it's not open to everybody looking and, and staring as they go past. So it should be in some concealed place. And a place that has a ceiling upon it. وَيُسْتَرْ مَا بَيْنَ سُرَّةِ الْمَيِّتِ وَرُكْبَتِهِ وَجُوبًا قَبْلَ التَّغْسِيلِ So the body of the deceased needs to be covered up from his navel to the knee. From navel to knee, that section, you put some cloth over it. That private area is covered up. 
All the rest of his clothes are taken off, everything else, all his clothes are taken off, but there is a cloth to make sure that area remains covered. When the body is placed down to wash him, it should be at a slight angle, the table should be at a slight angle downwards. Slight. Obviously not much, but just a slight angle. The body isn't going to move off or anything, but a slight angle so that when you're washing him, the water will trickle off and flow off into that slight angle. And it won't just all stay there under the body, around the body. It will be at just a slight angle so that all the water you're pouring on him will pour off down that angle. That is the way it should be done. And also any, anything that comes off his body, etc., then flows away down towards his legs and off the edge of the table. So it should be just slightly angled down at his legs. So all the water, everything washing is flowing off naturally off the edge. The only people who should be present are the one who is actually doing the ghusl and the other people who are helping him. They're passing the water, they're doing other things. People who are actually involved and needed to do the ghusl are the only ones who should be there. Nobody else should be there just to watch the ghusl happening. So the ghusl should only be for the one doing it and the other, whoever, how many people are helping him do it, getting the water, etc. Only those people should be there. Nobody else should just be there for the sake of it and he's our relative, you want to watch. Shouldn't be like that. وَيَكُونُ التَّغْسِيلُ بِأَنْ يَرْفَعَ الْغَاسِلُ رَأْسَ الْمَيَّةِ لَقُرْبِ جُلُوسِهِ ثُمَّ يَمُرُّ يَدَهُ عَلَى بَطْنِهِ وَعَصِرُهُ بِرَفْقِ So, when that ghusl happens, the person doing it, there's going to be one main person doing everything and then there's other people helping alongside. The main person doing it, it mentions here, he raises the head of the deceased, raises it up until that body of the deceased is almost in a sitting position. Raises the head of the deceased like that until he's almost like a sitting position. Then he runs his hands upon his front area, the stomach area, and uh, squeezes carefully to wash that area. So he raises him up into a sitting position and slowly squeezes upon the stomach area and lots of water is poured because there may be what requires to exit from the natural means of exiting when a person is alive, there may be some uh, affairs within the intestines that require to exit. So that is done initially with lots of water being poured to exit whatever requires exiting. Then the person doing it should get some type of cloth a tough cloth, and then wash the uh, area, the, the private area of that person, uh, and to make sure lots of water goes on it and clean that area out perfectly. So now once that is done, like the istinja as you would normally do in, uh, when you're alive, that has been done. Now you make the intention for the ghusl to occur, where you me and you wadi'uhu ka wudu salah So in the name of Allah, then you wash that person firstly by making the wudu upon him. Wash his wudu body parts. Wash his wudu body parts, make the wudu upon him. The only thing you don't do is the madmada and the istinshaq. Water into the mouth and into the nose and out, you can't do that. But everything else, the hands, the face, the wiping, you do the full wudu upon the person. As for the nose and the mouth, you can't do that, you just wipe upon them. Wipe upon the nose and the mouth. 
فيكفي عنهما مسح الغاسل أسنان الميت ومن خريه بأصبعه مبلولتين so you just put the hand onto the teeth and into the nostrils and that's it you can't actually do the sucking in and out obviously uh, you don't actually pour water into his nose or mouth just with a wet cloth or something you just clean those areas out uh, then you wash that person's head and beard with some soap involved in that you can use that too then after all of that you wash the full right hand side of that body uh, and that is from the right hand side of his body from the right of his neck then his right hand and his right arm and his right shoulder then the right side of his chest and then the right side of his body and his thighs and his legs going all the way down so you start with the face and the head, then the shoulder and the arms, and you move you all the way down. Work your way all the way down of the right hand side of the body. Then, after that, you turn the person over onto his left, and you do the back of the person on the right hand side. You're going to turn the body so that it's on its left hand side, so that you can now wash the right hand side under the body, the back. Body was lying flat, you washed all of the right hand side here. But this part, all of the right hand side under him, you need to flip the body slightly so that it's on its left hand side, and then you wash all of that on the right hand side under the body. Then after that, the opposite, do all of that same again on the left hand side. Uh, so you can use some form of soap in that uh, And it is mustahab that you have some sort of cloth on your hand As you're doing that Using that cloth in the cleaning process It is obligatory to do a minimum of one washing one full ghusl as long as that cleans the body if it requires more you do more it is mustahab to do three though to do three full washings like that of the body to do three full washings is mustahab uh, and even after three if there is still areas of the body that haven't been cleaned you can carry on doing that up until seven washings carry on washing if it takes up to seven washings until it's clean then so be it ويستحب أن يجعل في الغسل الأخير كافورة لأنه يصلب بدن الميت ويطيبه ويبرده فلأجل ذلك يجعل في الغسل الأخير ليبقى أثر كافور what did they call it in English what is it in the translation what is it كمفة it's called كمفة it's that substance how do you explain it it has the smell to it. It has the smell to it. Kamfa, what's it? How's it called? How's it spelled? C-A-M-P-H-O-R. Camphor. Camphor, it's called in English. It's a type of fragrance, as you said. So that is used in the last washing. So that this remains the impact of it upon the body and the fragrance of it upon the body. Thumma yunshaf al- in the, it just mentions in the final washing, you use that alongside it. So it is used, mixed in alongside it. Then after that, the person is dried. Using some cloth or something, dried. The mustache of the person is trimmed. The nails of the person are cut. The hair under the armpits is taken care of. And... Whatever is taken off him, that hair, etc., it is placed with him in the shroud. It goes with him in the shroud. يُجْعَلْ الْمَأْخُوذِ مَعَهُ فِي الْكَفْرِ Pubic hair. Allah alam about that. Here it just mentions about the armpit hair. That's all it mentions here. وَيُضْفَرْ شَعَرُ رَأْسِ الْمَرْأَةِ ثَلَاثَةَ قُرُونَ 
وَيُسْدَلْ مِنْ وَرَائِهَا The woman's hair, it is put into three plaits. Mentioned it is put into three plaits. And for the men's, what you take from the hair, from the armpit, that it mentions it places in with the shroud. As for the remainder, we'll have to check into the more detailed uh, explanations. Now, a situation, what if you don't have water? Of that, plait the hair is all that he's mentioning. Men who have long hair? No, no, not the plaiting of men who have long hair. That is for the women. It is mentioned of the women, the plaiting of three plaits. If you don't have any water, or you fear that the body will become damaged by using water, like imagine somebody died because of a fire, he was burnt in a fire, now the skin is all going to be burnt. If you start using water and soap and washing it, the skin is going to start falling off. It's going gonna, it's gonna to obviously have an impact upon that body, the state it's in, by washing it and using water, etc. on it. So if you're in a situation like that, or you're in a situation where a woman has died, her husband isn't present, and there are no women present. So now nobody can wash her. It would only be allowed for other women or her husband. If no other women are present, her husband isn't present, other foreign men can't wash her, other men can't wash her, so that would be a situation. Same with the man. If a man died, his wife wasn't present, and no other men were present. So now the other women cannot wash him. In that case, the tayammum is done upon that deceased. The tayammum is done upon that deceased. The face is wiped and the hands are wiped from behind some type of covering. Meaning the contact is not made physically. There is some type of barrier within that. And وَإِن تَعَذَّرَ غُسْلِ بَعْضَ الْمَيِّتِ غُسِلَ مَا أَمْكَنَ غَسْلُهُ مِنْهُ وَيُمَمْ عَنِ الْبَاقِ Imagine now a person died and part of his body was burnt. So you can't really put water on that part and start doing it, it's gonna, the skin, etc. In that case, wash the rest and just do the wiping over that area. Wash the rest of the body and the part which was burnt you can't wash, then just do the wiping over that area. The person who has done the ghusl, is it a sunnah for him to make ghusl afterwards himself? So somebody did the washing of the deceased. Is it a sunnah for that person to go and do a ghusl upon himself now afterwards too or not? It's different about... It's differed whether it is a sunnah, you have to do it or not. Most of the scholars do say at least it's mustahab. Most of the scholars say it is mustahab. Sheikh bin Baz says that just to take yourself out of the difference of opinion, the minimum you should do is go make wudu again. And many of the scholars say it is mustahab. Mustahab you should go make ghusl. But it's not a definite wajib that you have to make a ghusl. Some scholars say it is, but most of them say at least just mustahab you should go make a ghusl. That's what the Sheikh says here, it is mustahab that you should go and make a ghusl afterwards yourself, but it is not wajib. Mustahab but not wajib. Sheikh bin Baz, he says you should make wudu at least, uh, but it's not obligatory to go beyond that and make a ghusl. Then after that, the rulings of shrouding the deceased. After the washing, the shrouding of the deceased. No, uh, if, no if the, a woman dies, her husband is not present and no other women are present. Even if water is available, you can't do it. The other men can't wash her. No, the other men do not wash her. It has to be women to wash the woman or the husband. The husband is not there, other women are not available, nobody. It's only men, other men can't look upon this foreign woman's body. So then it's the term, mom, upon that's it. Hmm. 
With the barrier, as it says, with the barrier. Meaning, mm. something significant here. It mentions like a proper, reasonable cloth. Gloves like these latex gloves and things are practically physical contact. So here it mentions having a, a some type of cloth, something of a barrier, a real barrier. No. It has to be the husband or other women. If they're none? Covered though, it's going to be covered, yeah. You don't remove that, it's going to be covered. وَبَعْدَ تَمَامِ الْغُسْلِ وَالتَّجْفِيفِ يُشْرَعْ تَكْفِينَ الْمَيِّتِ After the body is being washed and dried, then you shroud the body. يُشْتَرَطْ فِي الْكَفْنِ أَنْ يَكُونَ سَاتِرًا وَيُسْتَحَبْ أَنْ يَكُونَ أَبْيَضْ نَظِيفًا The shrouding material, it needs to be something big enough to cover the body. And ideally, it is mustahab that it should be white cloth. Clean white cloth. Whether it's new or old, it doesn't matter. Ideally, a new clean white cloth that's never been used is the best. But if not, if not, any white cloth, clean white cloth is the ideal material to use for the shrouding of the body. It should be enough to cover the body. Enough to cover the body. For the men, it is mustahab that it should be big enough to go around the body three times. That there should be three coverings over him. Three coverings over him. The woman, five coverings over her. Three coverings over the man, five coverings over the woman. Five Cloths over the woman. Cloths, For the woman, he says five separate cloths. For the man, For the man it mentions th- coverings. So it could be one cloth, but covered over three times. For the w- women, the sheikh mentions khamsatu athwab, five separate materials, five separate cloths of covering. Oh. Can they use a yellow cloth? It's allowed, but you should try to use white. Izar wa khimar wa qamis wa lafafatain wa yukfana sagir fa thawbin wahid wa yubahu fi thalafati athwab. A small person, a child, can just be covered in one cloth, but again it is mustahab, or rather it is allowed to do in three cloths. Wa tukfan as sagira fi qamis wa lafafatain. A small girl should be one cloth and then two more coverings on top. وَيُسْتَحَبُّ تَجْمِيرَ الْأَكْفَانِ بِالْبُخُورِ بَعْدَ رَشْهَا رَشْهَا بِمَاءِ الْوَرْدِ وَنَحْوِهِ لِتَحَلُّقْ بِهَا رَائِحَةُ الْبُخُورِ And you should put the fragrances on top of that shrouding too. Fragrances on top of the shrouding too. وَيَتِمُّ تَكْفِينَ الرَّجُلْ بِأَنْ تُبْسَطْ الْلَفَائِفَ الثَّلَاثِ بَعْضْ وَفَوْقَ بَعْضْ ثم يؤتى بالميت مستورا وجوبا بثوب ونحوه ويوضع فوق اللفائف مستلقيا ثم يؤتى بالحنوط وهو الطيب ويجعل منه في قطن بين إليتي الميت ويشد فوقه خرقة ثم يجعل باقي القطن المطيب على عينيه ومن خريه وفمه وأذنيه وعلى مواضع سجوده جبهته وأنفه ويديه وركبتيه وأطراف قدميه ومغابن البدن الإبطين وطي الركبتين وسرته ويجعل من الطيب بين الأكفان وفي رأس الميت ثم يرد طرف اللفافة العليا من الجانب الأيسر على شقه الأيمن ثم طرفها الأيمن على شقه الأيسر ثم ثانية كذلك ثم ثالثة كذلك ويكون الفاضل من طول اللفاف عند رأسه أكثر من ما عند رجليه ثم يجمع الفاضل عند رأسه ويرد على وجهه ويجمع الفاضل عند رجليه فيرد على رجليه ثم يعقد على اللفائف أحزمة لألا تنتشر وتحل العقد في القبر. This all talks about now that clothing, the shrouding. That the shrouding when it is done. When the shrouds occur, the cloth obviously needs to cover the full body. 
there should be more excess of the cloth at the top than the bottom. The longer excess should be at the top above the head and the smaller excess at the bottom. Then the excess, you wrap it around the head, wrap it around, and the excess at the bottom, you wrap it around the feet. That excess wrapped, wrap it all around. At the top, the excess, wrap it all around so it's all wrapped. Once all of that wrapping occurs, then it mentions again about putting that fragrance into the areas in that shrouding, around the areas of the armpits, etc. Putting that fragrance in those areas, wrapping it. And then once all the wrapping occurs, there should be some type of tightening on top of the shrouding. Some other type of belt or something, some, some cloth or whatever it may be used to actually tie up the whole shroud. So that the cloth doesn't become loose and fall apart. Should be tightened somehow at the top it mentions, uh, put together somehow so that it does not come apart in the grave. You do what you are able. Whatever you have, if that's all you have, you do what you are able to cover that properly. Perfumes, they mention these special types, but again, I don't know what the names of them in English are. Kaf, what's the other one called again? Kamfar, and these are Allah, and what they call them. You'll have to check the exact names in English. What does it say in the book? And the others? These fragrances, I don't know their names. Perfume, but it gives no description there. If somebody can find that, they have these names, like even those are frankincense and all those types of things. If you can get those exact names, somebody bring us the names of them in English. Because even in English, if you mention the name, most people won't know what they are anyway. But you need to get the exact name and we can get descriptions of what they are. If you can find pictures of what they are, somebody bring us all those of the exact things next week. We can show everybody, inshallah. It's possible we can do it, maybe. Get one of the kids, you can be the, the person. <laughs> Ali. Ali, you're going to be the person. We need to get some cloth, and then we can try and do it maybe, inshallah. The woman, like we said, five cloths. One is to cover the bottom of the body. One is to cover the top of the body. One is to cover the head area, and then two overall wrappings on top. That's how the sheikh breaks it down. And a cloth to cover the bottom, a cloth to cover the top, a cloth to cover the head, the khimar as you say otherwise, then two overall coverings to, cover, to uh, wrap it all up. That is how the sheikh breaks down the five cloths for the woman. Izarun thumma tulbas qamisan, thumma tukhmar Bottom half, top half, head area, then two overall coverings on top of all of that. The next section is regarding the prayer upon the deceased. The prayer upon the deceased. ثُمَّ يُشْرَعْ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ الصَّلَاةُ عَلَى الْمَيِّتِ الْمُسْلِمِ Abu Huraira mentions that the Prophet ﷺ said, "Man shahid al-janaza hatta yusalli hatta yusalla alayha, falahu qirat. Waman shahidaha hatta tudfan, falahu qiratan. Whomsoever witnesses the funeral up until it is prayed upon, then he has one reward. And whomsoever witnesses it and stays with it up until the burial, he has two rewards." And each of these rewards, it is mentioned, is like mountains, the size of the reward. It is a fard kifaya, to pray that prayer upon the deceased. If some of the Muslims pray it at least, then the sin goes away from the overall Muslims as a whole. So when you pray that prayer upon the deceased, the conditions again are, the normal types of conditions, the intention, facing the qibla, having your aura covered, being upon purification, and the one you're praying upon has now been purified and done the ghusl upon, staying away from impurities, and that you be Muslim, Muslims pray upon the janazah, and the person being prayed upon is a Muslim, 
and حضور الجنازة إن كانت بالبلد وكون المصلي مكلفا and to attend the janaza prayer in the area if it is in that area and that the person who's praying is mukallaf uh, those people praying need to be of the level that they are of responsibility meaning you can't just be kids who come and pray it has to be elders too need to be in that prayer for that fard kifaya to be fulfilled what are the pillars of the janaza prayer now then the pillars of the janaza prayer firstly al qiyam to stand Janazah prayer is prayed standing up. Four takbirat. Four takbirat occur in the janazah prayer. They are pillars. Reading the Fatiha is a pillar. The part where you read Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, that section is required as a pillar. The Dua for the deceased that you do after the third takbir, pillar. Doing it in that order, pillar. Salam at the end, pillar. What is the order then? The first takbir happens and then you recite Fatiha. Second takbir happens, you recite Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Not necessary, but you can do. Third takbir, you do the dua. Fourth takbir, nothing, then the salam. What are the sunnah things? Raising the hands in those takbirat. Raising the hands in those takbirat is sunnah. Reading that before you start the fatiha, sunnah. To make dua for yourself and the other Muslims in there, as well as for the deceased, sunnah. To recite quietly, sunnah. To make a small pause after the fourth takbir before giving the salam, sunnah. After the fourth takbir, is there anything to read? Nothing. But to give a small pause before giving the salam, sunnah. To place your right hand onto the left hand on the chest, sunnah. And to give the salam to the right hand side, sunnah. Those are the sunnah of the prayer, that is how it is done. Out loud, there are some narrations about it, but the scholars, they say it is a rarity that you do that. That is not the norm. The sunnah, the norm, is that the janazah is quiet. The examples given of it being loud are some narrations and the scholars say that is only to teach the people. It is not the regular thing that you do. The janazah prayer. So, the sunan. Well, let's do all of it. The pillars, you're going to stand, standing to pray. The four takbirat, those four takbirat are done. After the first takbirah, the recitation of the Fatiha, Rukn, gotta do it. After the second takbirah, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, the salutations upon the Prophet, gotta do it. After the third takbirah, the dua for the deceased, gotta do it. All of that in that order is a pillar, and the salam at the end is a pillar. Sunnahs, to raise your hand with every takbirah, to raise your hand with every takbirah, to start with, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem, the isti'adha before the Fatiha, Sunnah. To make dua for yourself and the Muslims as a whole on top of the dua for the deceased, Sunnah. To read quietly during the prayer, Sunnah. To make a small pause after the fourth takbira before the final salam, Sunnah. And to give that, and to place the right hand onto the left hand on the chest, Sunnah. And to give that final salam by turning your head to the right. Sunnah. That's differed about. The takbirat for the janazah prayer, there are multiple opinions about it. Four is the common one that the scholars mentioned. There are multiple other opinions about additional takbirat. There are. There are some opinions about increasing the number of takbirat. 
That is possible. There are narrations. There are lots of opinions. If you go to the detailed books of fiqh, they give you multiple opinions about how many takbirat you should do. Multiple opinions. But this is the common four, uh, four takbirat, and that is how it is done. Again? If someone passed away, is there any exception circumstance where the dead body doesn't need washing? When would the dead body not need washing? It doesn't require washing. It's not supposed to be washed. The martyrs. Mm. So the martyrs, they are left in their blood and they are not washed. In the sea? If the body can't be recovered, then you have no choice. It's one of those situations where nothing can be done. If the body cannot be recovered, it cannot be washed. I don't know if it's a ruling that if somebody drowns in water, you don't wash their body. I don't know that as a ruling. The martyr, that is clear. But that as a ruling, I don't know. Ah, if somebody dies in a state of ihram, then they are buried with the ihram like that, and they will rise up doing the talbiyah. They will rise up doing the talbiyah in the ihram. We'll, we'll do a bit more detail. It looks like everybody wants a bit more detail. Next, because this is it. Here it's brief. Next week, we'll do the detailed section. There is a more detailed section in some of the bigger books of fiqh. If you want to do it a bit more detailed, we'll bring that one, like Bulugh al-Maram or something. And there are a few extra hadith that give you more breakdown of how these things are done properly. And more breakdown, more detail. So inshallah, next week we'll do that. We'll, uh, we'll stop here, we'll do that, and we'll maybe do practical or something. But we'll do the more detailed one at least. So inshallah, we'll start from that next week then. Uh, roughly same time after Maghrib, 6.30, 6.45 p.m. inshallah. وصلى الله على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين